to Friends Church. <clears throat> what a beautiful sunny day we have, which is good because we're doing an outdoor baptism. <laughs> if you guys didn't uh, notice, it said that on the um, email that Elkie sent out, if it was raining, we were going to have it at the church, which is good anyways, because there is swimmer's itch going around Tanana Lakes, and that would be a really horrible thing today to get the day you got baptized. So We're going to be having a potluck here at 2 o'clock. It'll be in the uh, coffee shop and outside a little bit. We're going to be having hot dogs. And we ask you guys if you want to come back and bring a dish to share. We're going to be doing the baptism right here in the entryway. So we're still going to do it because we still need to get baptized. And it's an awesome thing for us to do. So please come back after church at 2 o'clock. Meet us here. You can hang out till then. We're going to have the baptism here. Uh, A couple other things going on. Next Sunday is going to be the beginning, the first day of the Banks, which is our high school camp. 
We've been sending out uh, some information about that. Hopefully, high schoolers, you've signed up. If not, Tuesday is the cutoff date for the high school camp uh, sign-up. So sign up by Tuesday so we can get you in the loop of what's going on. And if you are coming to camp next week, just be here for the service. I'm going to be preaching. And all of us are going to be in session one of camp together as a church. So it'll be really cool. Um, Also... We've been getting a lot more people coming back because summer has been rainy and people are back in town, which means our kids' church has been exploding, which means we're short in kids' church uh, today. So Kathy has asked if there is a, a few people that could help out in toddler's room and nursery. Every single person who's on staff right now is in one of the kids' rooms. So Angela is back there. Raise your hand, Angela. If you can help with kids' church, go talk to her. Uh, during the break, and she will plug you into one of the nurseries, and that would help out a ton. Um, I think that's all that's going on. I'm going to pray, then we're going to dismiss the kids to Kids Church. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in the midst of this body. Lord, we thank you for the season that you brought us through and for the series that we're going to start today on the kingdom. God, we thank you for the words that you've given to Floyd, and I pray that as he preaches your word that it would be received clearly. God, that we would understand the revelation of what you have for us, Lord, and that the seeds planted from the beginning of the year on through what you've been planting in us from identity to prayer to now the kingdom, God, would would just spread into fruit, God, that it would affect this town, that it would affect the city that you've called us to. Lord, I thank you for every person that volunteers in this church, for the kids' church workers. Lord, I pray that they would clearly preach the gospel today to the youngest of ages. Lord, that you'd be exalted in this place and glorified in every midst of every single ministry that's happening here this morning. Thank you for the people that are getting baptized, God. Thank you for this time that we can just stand with them and encouragement and just celebration of that new event. We just give you all the glory and praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you guys have kids, you can bring them to Kids Church at this time. If not, we're, we're just going to continue to worship so you can stand with us. And then talk to uh, Angela if you can help out in Kids Church. Thank you.
Good morning, everybody. My name is Floyd. Not, not many people are named Floyd. It's kind of a rare. But not many people are this good looking, so it makes sense, right? There you go. Thank you for your support. <laughs> Very important to me on that point, yes. Um, you ready to take the offering? 
I always like to, when we take offering, I like to kind of tie our thoughts in the area of finances to the kingdom, to the word of God. And uh, I was reading a verse uh, this morning, actually. It's uh, Third John. John is the uh, apostle that was closest to Jesus, which doesn't add any veracity to this scripture because it's all the word of God inspired by the Holy Spirit. Men, you know, holy men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit and wrote down what to say in this book, right? So we understand that this book isn't from earth, it's from heaven. But um, he said, I pray above all things in the King James, and in the New American Standard, it says, I pray that in all respects that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. We ought to need to meditate on that verse for a bit because, I mean, this is God's will in God's word, that you prosper in every respect, above all things, I pray that you prosper and be in health that you be physically healthy and strong even as your soul prospers. So God wants to prosper you from the inside out. And he does it by his spirit and by his word and by the fellowship that we have and enjoy with one another. So Lord, with that in mind, we pray, God, that as we present our offering to you, Lord, that God, we will do it and we will... Do it with a prosperous heart, a prosperous mind, a prosperous uh, uh, in every respect, in our mindset, Lord. And that, God, you will bless us and you will uh, cause us to prosper all the more as we give ourselves to you and to your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, How many of you, I'll try to see, it's hard to see out there with all this light, but how many of you... Uh, read or received the pastor's update this week. A little note from me. Okay, that's not really that many, so we need to, you guys need to get on board, get, get, the, get your email address to the uh, staff, because what we're doing now is we're getting kind of a preview of uh, Sunday's message, so you can look at the verses and kind of prepare your heart uh, for what's coming. And I think, as Eric, I think he mentioned, uh, we're starting a new series this week, today. And it's on the gospel of the kingdom. And when I started to open up the scriptures in regard to this um, message, I was, I was kind of stunned because I didn't realize how extremely prominent this particular message is in the word. But what I want to emphasize to you this morning is its predominance. And I should say even its preeminence in the Word. And that it is a central message, excuse me, of the New Testament. It's hugely significant. And I have to admit that I don't think that I, I, I mean, I've mentioned the kingdom of God in messages that had other themes, but I don't think I have ever preached a message on the kingdom of God in 35 years, which kind of shocked me in a way. I thought, wow, where have I been? What have I been thinking? So this morning, we're going to correct that situation. 
and we're going to look at the gospel of the kingdom of God. And to give it a definition, it's right there in your notes, it says, in the New Testament, it denotes glad tidings, good news of the kingdom of God and of salvation through Christ to be received by faith on the basis of, a, of his expiatory death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Um, that word means uh, like propitiation or atonement. And so we're familiar with the gospel of salvation, but perhaps we're not as familiar as we need to be about the gospel of the kingdom of God. But let's look, I want to just focus on its, its predominance, because look at Matthew 24. It says uh, from verse 2 to 14, but I've, I've just uh, extracted the, the first and last verse of that section. And it says, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when these things will be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age. And Jesus answered and said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. In other words, this message will be the predominant worldwide end times message of the church to the world, and it will be on a national level. It will be on a national scale. That ought to tell us that it's an important message. That it's significant. And as I was looking further into this, I recently saw in the last two verses of the book of Acts, I saw Paul's emphasis on this message. Because it says in Acts 28, and he stayed there two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness unhindered. In other words, Paul considered this a primary element of his preaching. I mean, when you say he preached these two things, and I'm sure in conjunction, the king and his kingdom. And then when we look at Mark chapter 1, and, and it's repeated through the Gospels, we find out that the message of the gospel of the kingdom of God was Jesus' central message. So in Mark, it says, just for example, it says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. That's what we're talking about here. The gospel, the good news, the glad tidings from God to the earth. The gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. The time was fulfilled. We had 1,500 years of the old covenant under Moses. And there came a specific, predetermined, predestined time for a whole new covenant of the Spirit to be released. 
And that's what Jesus was referring to. He said in another place, he said, Anyone, if any man thirsts, let him come unto me and drink. And then it says, and that, what he was referring to was the spirit that had not been given, that had not been released, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so what it's saying is that, it, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is at hand, it's so close. And that referred to the three and a half years prior to his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension to the right hand of the Father, in which he went into the true tabernacle, it says in, in, in Hebrews, he went into the true tabernacle and presented his blood and was glorified in his victory and in his triumph over sin, sickness, demons, death, and curse. And so once he was glorified, he, he had told the disciples, wait in Jerusalem until this event takes place, and then I'm going to give you, I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happened. So the time of his preaching, he's saying, hey, it's time. We're in a major transition between this old covenant and a new covenant of the kingdom of God in a way that they had not imagined because they were looking for an earthly kingdom. They were, they were looking for someone to lead them like David and overthrow the Roman government. But Jesus was bringing something far more profound in that it was a kingdom of the spirit, the kingdom of, of heaven coming down to earth. And that's what he said. Pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this was his message. And he said, there is a necessity for you to repent and believe the gospel. And what he's referring to is the fact that you are going to need some massive reprogramming of your natural, carnal, religious, earthbound matrix mindset. We're going to have to carve some major new neural pathways in your mind. And that's what he's trying to say. He's trying to say, listen, this is going to require repentance on a level that perhaps you never imagined where we begin to see a new reality. We're not any longer earth only. Now, by the Spirit, we understand the bigger picture. That there was a kingdom of heaven that was brought to earth in, in, in Jesus' time. And he was, he, it was like his, his whole ministry was a preview of coming attractions. And he was preparing them and giving them parables that they might understand that when the Spirit of God came, the kingdom of God could be established on the earth in every believer and all those that received him. And so there's a new reality to be understood and to be entered into. And in fact, in John, he said, unless you are born of the Spirit, you cannot see, nor can you enter the kingdom of God. But of course, with the Spirit, you can. And so there was a necessity of new values, new goals, new vision, new destiny 
And that's what God wants to impart and implant in each one of you here today and in the weeks to come. Because God has taken us, in, in January, he spoke to us about vision. And he gave us a mandate out of Acts 13, 1 to 3. And he gave us a mission statement to know God, to know each other, and to be equipped to make him known. And so let's, let's look at the number one parable of all the parables. It's found here in Mark chapter 4. It's also found in Matthew 13. And it says, He began to teach again by the sea. And such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down and the whole crowd was by the sea and on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And I was studying this this week. You know, you could, you could easily just read right through this. All right, listen to this. A sower went out to sow. And my eyes focused on, he went out. Jesus went out. He was doing that at the very moment that he was talking about this parable. That's exactly what he was doing. He had gone out. He had gone to the people. He had gone from place to place, village to village, city to city, to sow this seed of the kingdom of God. And that's what we have to do. Because God has called us. And, and he, gave us, he gave us this picture in Acts 13, 1 to 3, where the disciples had gathered together, and they were in prayer, and they were listening to God. And God said, separate a couple of these disciples. And, and, and they, they got a prophetic word, and they laid hands on them, and they sent them out. And that's what God wants to do at Friends Church. He wants to send each and every one of you out to sow the seed. We can't let go of that. I'm not going to let go of that. I'm going to keep saying that every time I get up here. Because I believe it's God's will. I believe God wants to get us past this level of discomfort and insufficiency to the point where we can actually go out there and sow that seed. Where you work, where you live, your, your neighbors, your relatives, everyone you come across, the people in the bank, the people at Safeway, all over. Get used to it. Allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to transform your mind right now. Allow yourself to see yourself doing that. So it says he went out to sow and as he was sowing some seed fell beside the road and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And I don't think that that, I'm pretty sure that that doesn't have any reference or connection with Rocky Pavey, but I'm not positive. But anyway, some of it fell on Rocky. You can tell Rocky had said that he's not here today. I had to, you know, use that joke anyway, even when maybe he'll watch the video. Okay. So, so it fell on Rocky, so we're, you're not in the mood for a joke, are you? I, I mean, I just change and 
I'm doing all this stuff, and you guys can't really. Okay, whatever. So, so it was sown in rocky field where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched because it had no root, and it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into good soil, and as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100-fold. So there's a, there are four soils, four conditions, and I believe they're conditions of the heart, and maybe they're, they're not necessarily even conditions of different people. I think that we could all say there are times when all, all three of these first soils, and even perhaps the fourth one, in increasing measure as we go along in our walk with God, we can, we can experience all of this at one time or another. But the thing of it is, is he talking about something that requires repentance and belief and something that was describing the transition that was taking place at the time of his ministry and God has called Friends Church into the same type of transition and the metaphor that we're using is that we have a game to play we have a part in God's plan And you are all ministers. Every single one of you are in the full-time ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You do not have a part-time anointing. And therefore, what the metaphor is, is that you are players. And you are to go out on the field. This is not the field. This is like the halftime. And after halftime, after we strategize, after the coach gives you an exhortation, then you go out to the field and the, big, and the game begins. And that's the transition we've got to make. We've made too much of this and not enough of that. And so there's a transition that God is bringing us to. And so he, he was saying to those people, he said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And I believe that ears to hear is the pivotal point of the whole parable. Because it all comes down to, do you have ears to hear? And so in verse 10 it says, and he was alone. When, and as soon as he was alone, his followers, along with the twelve, began asking him about the parables. I was reading that, the word alone came out to me, drew my attention because I realized that we we have to have time with Jesus alone. Well, you turn off the TV, you turn off your social media, you turn off and you get alone with Jesus. And that's where he begins to explain the deeper things to you. But they followed him. After the conference, after the meetings, they followed him further. And they got alone with him. And that's when he started unveiling the meaning of the parable. 
But he said, you have to have ears to hear. And he was saying to them, to you has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, they're getting everything in parables. So there was a dividing line here between those that were given the inside information on the mysteries of the kingdom. And I want to point out, there are mysteries of the kingdom. And I don't know, and you don't know. We don't know all the mysteries of the kingdom. But it has been granted to us to know those mysteries. And they're revealed when we get alone with Jesus and his word. And we pray and we say, oh God, open my heart, Lord. Allow me, oh God, to hear. Cause me to have ears to hear, Lord. Help me have a desire. Help me to pursue and seek you, to know you, and to understand the mysteries of your kingdom. And in Matthew 13, 12, it says, For whoever has to more, or, or excuse me, for whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And this is a very odd scripture. And, you know, I, I looked at this for months and I was like, I would pray and I would say, God, you know, what does that mean? What are we talking about here? He that has what will be given more. And then this other part, you know, you can have an abundance, you keep getting more and more and more, and you have an abundance, but then this other part where whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. And I believe what, it, what it's talking about is the fact that he that has ears to hear will be given more. He that has a heart to hear regardless of what God says. He that is open to everything the Holy Spirit. You know, we resist the Holy Spirit all the time. I know I do. And in fact, this week, because of this message, I've been in a state of repentance over an area of idolatry in my life. And I am making up my mind, okay, Floyd, you have got to yield. You have got to hear. You've got to have ears to hear this, and you're going to hear it. And I started just kind of rebuking myself and saying, all right, all right, God, I hear you. Right, let's get it out in the open. This is what I've been devoting myself overly much to, and enough is enough. I want to prioritize this area of my life, surrender it to you, as well as the rest. But I think what we see here is that it is dynamic. It's not static. It isn't that you, you arrive at a certain place in God and you can't fall backwards. Just look up the word drift. It's all through the New Testament. People went out. They went forward. They were progressing. How many Christians have you known that are going? They're going strong for God. They're in. They're all in. And then all of a sudden something happens. And they start to drift back. And those are the hardest people to reach because they think that the, the level at which they arrived at, at which they have fallen back, that that's all there is when there's far more. There's far unexplored territories of, of this revelation of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. 
And we need to be like little children, like in the Chronicles of Narnia. We need to be like Lucy going through the wardrobe door. And God will reveal the mysteries of his kingdom. He'll reveal it to anybody who has ears to hear. That's the beauty of it. You don't need to have a master's in divinity. You just need to have ears to hear, and God will change your life. He will move. He will will change you from the inside out. And that's exactly what he is challenging us to do today. Prepare yourself to repent and believe the gospel at a level that you have never done before. There's always another level. It's, it makes me think of it makes me think of a man in a boat on a river. He's on a river. He's going upstream. Every day you are your eyes, your ears are being fed messages from the kingdom of darkness and from the matrix out there. From people you know from people, your, your friends, your neighbors, your, your uh, fellow employees, everyone. There is a continual flow of the kingdoms of this world and of the message of the matrix. Do you understand what I'm saying? The system of this world. And so really, we're all going upstream. And that man has his hand on the throttle of that, that uh, motor, and, and he's got it wide open, and he's just going. It's just creating a wake, and he's, he's going up that river. But if he relaxes his hand and idles that motor down, what happens? He begins to drift back. So you can never, you need to keep moving forward at all times. You need to keep going deeper in God. We have not scratch the surface of this thing. There is far more to experience than what we have experienced thus far. And so whoever has, more will be given and he will have an abundance. That's the promise of God. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? In other words, there are elements that apply, there are elements of this parable that apply to all the parables. In other words, this parable is a key to all the rest of the parables. There are elements in this parable that will open up the rest of the parables. These are the ones, and and, and then he says, the sower sows the word, and these are the ones who are beside the road where the the word is sown, and when they hear, immediately Satan comes to take away the word which has been sown in them. Now that's an interesting statement because I can stand up here and give a message today and you can be, the Holy Spirit can be quickening things to your mind and making and giving you thoughts and then there's a counter thought that comes. There's a doubt that comes. There's some unbelief that comes. There's some, something that it's sort of offensive comes about what I'm saying. It's challenged. And it's in your mind. And it just says, Satan comes immediately. The kingdom of darkness comes immediately. And most of the time, we don't even know what's going on. We're just like, well, I didn't didn't agree with this and that and the other thing. 
or some sort of controversy erupts in our thinking, or some sort of, you know, oh, yeah, they used to do that in the days of the Bible, but that doesn't happen anymore. I mean, where have you seen it happen? You know, it's these types of thought that just rip that word right out of there immediately. And some of us are just, we're like sheep for the slaughter in that regard. We just let it happen. But we need to be aware of the fact that it is happening. The devil comes and he says, wait a minute, well, who are you? Who are you to, you know, have that kind of a, you know, God's speaking about your destiny. He's speaking about his plan for your life. He's giving you an idea of what you could be, who you could be, what you could do. And immediately, Satan comes. He's the accuser of the brother. So he takes your history and plays it against your future. He loves to condemn you and tell you that your track record does not qualify you for that promise and for that word. And so God wants to give you a sense of destiny. He wants, he has spoken to us about our identities in Christ. How many of those identities have we received, believed, and retained? Or have they been snatched right out of there, just like, oh, that's a fantasy. What are you talking about, Floyd? You're a royal, holy priesthood of God. Holy nation. Temple of the Holy Spirit. God's trying to reach into our minds and give us exposure to the truth, the reality that he has created us to walk in, live in, and think in. Our potential. But Satan comes immediately to challenge that word. In a similar way, these are the ones on whom the seed was sown on rocky places who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but but are only temporary, then when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. And I want to point out to you, it says affliction or persecution because of the word. In other words, there's an aggressive challenge to the word. It's not like, oh, I didn't think I was going to have to suffer over this. I didn't think it was going to be that challenge. But if you live in China or the Middle East or Africa, oh yeah, you can get into some serious affliction and persecution. Jesus said, if the world hated me, they're going to hate you too. And we're kind of getting a little bit of a taste of that right now in our nation. The tide is sort of shifting, and now it's like, well, not so sure those Christians aren't, you know, just extremists like the other groups. So what's it going to be? Are you going to retain? Are you going to hold on no matter what happens? Or are you going to let it be stolen and produce no fruit in your life. And then it says, and others are the ones whom the seed was sown among the thorns, and these are the ones who have heard the word, but the worries of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires 
for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now this, this to me is more like the USA. We're not, we haven't undergone a great deal of persecution, but we certainly have been seduced into many different things, worries, cares, riches, and desires for a multitude of other things that we take and make the priorities of our life above our walk with God. Now here's a word that you don't you probably won't want to hear some of you that you actually are more devoted to the self-esteem and and the, the the chemistry of social media than you are to the word of God. That's just a priority. You've made it a priority. You live in it, you walk in it, you 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 do your thing and it consumes your time. And there are a lot of other things. I mean there's an emphasis on all kinds of stuff, and I don't want to even mention them, but the Holy Spirit is telling you right now, you know, just like you're talking to me. I'm standing up here talking about this, and God's going, yeah, what about this, this, this? Okay. <laughs> yeah. The deceitfulness of riches. Wow. You know, I was, I was actually talking to my daughter-in-law's boss, who is uh, managing this company, uh, kind of an administrative level of this company, and um, she's talking to me about, you know, increasing wealth and so forth, and so I started talking to her about the chemistry of wealth. Like when Publishers Clearinghouse uh, comes to the door and they say, you've just won $5,000 a week for you and a friend of yours. And what do the people do? Do they go, oh, okay, that's nice. No, no, they get, they get a bomb of chemistry, this euphoric high, blows, you know, blows their mind. They start jumping up and down and, and, and singing like a bunch of birds in the tree. Because this is what we've been waiting for. You know, I mean, this is like, wow. And there's never a thought that, you know what, I don't know if I can handle this. But all these people that win the lottery, so many of them, are, it ruins their lives and they end up in poverty anyway. But we always assume, oh, no, 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 that, that's those guys. 5,000 a week, yeah, that's for me. I can handle it. No problem. Bring it on. You know, but Jesus wants to teach us about this stuff. He wants us to understand so it doesn't become a, a thorny patch that sucks the life out of our out of our spiritual life and out of the destiny and the calling and the ministry and the purpose and the, and the predestined glory that God has called us into. Man, thank you, Lord. So in the first, when Satan comes immediately, we could call that deception. Affliction and persecution is like aggression. And then this third one would be seduction. And then finally we have the fourth um, soil, and it says, and those are the ones on whom the seed was sown on good soil. And they hear the word and receive it, and bear fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And I want you to know this about the kingdom. And it was... 
this was demonstrated over and over in the ministry of Jesus. That the kingdom yield is wholly disproportionate to human sufficiency, human wisdom, human energy, human investment. I mean, it just blows the doors off whatever you think you could accomplish yourself. The kingdom of God will multiply that. And that's what I would love to see happening around here. I want to get into this 30, 60, 100 fold of God's word on the glory and the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that's what I want. I believe that's what God wants for us. He wants us to enter into this kingdom multiplication and fantastic yield of 30, 60, and 100 fold. It is above and beyond what is humanly possible. That's what Ephesians 3.20 is all about when it says God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all you could ask or even think according to the power that works in you. Take the lid off your limited earthly, earth-only mindset. God wants to bring us into a deeper thing here. I, I'm just saying, I believe this is a sovereign thing of God. For God to have these series of messages. I, I just felt like God just taken us somewhere. God has a plan. And this is a part of the plan. Now, I wanted to just kind of break this word kingdom down into two parts. Very simple. The first part is king. And it speaks of rule. It's right there in your notes. Our God, our Lord is the potentate of time and eternity. He is Lord and creator of heaven and earth. He's the king of kings. He's our chief high priest. He is the head of the body. He is running the show. And we are participants and co-laborers with him in this kingdom And in this plan that he has for us. And then the second part here is land. King dumb. King dumb. King rule and land. And that's exactly what it takes for any nation to exist. You have to have two things. Or you can't have a nation. You have to have government and land. And the land is the salvation, the favor, the healing, the deliverance, the blessing, the productivity, the freedom, the provision, and dominion over our enemies. That when Jesus said, if I by the finger of God cast out demons, then the kingdom has come unto you. And what Jesus did, he proclaimed this message of the kingdom, and then he demonstrated it. He showed them what it meant and what it could produce. We do not have to be slaves to sin, sickness, demons, death, or curse. Look at his look at Matthew 4 there, 23. And he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom 
and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout Syria, and they brought him all the sick and those afflicted with various diseases and pains and those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. Paul said that our gospel did not come unto you in word only, but in power. And we could talk a lot about that, but man, this kingdom is not without power. Matthew 9. And Jesus went throughout the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. I was on my way here this morning. And I began to develop this, this pain in my upper jaw, my tooth. I, I didn't know it was a toothache or whether it was nasal, some nasal infection or something. And I'm telling you what, man, the pain just got more and more and more and more. And then it was like, wow. My first thought was, man, i got to get to the church. I'm going to take about five Advil. I cannot preach with this pain. And then... I kind of came to my senses and I thought, wait a minute, I'm going to be preaching, I'm going to be, I'm going to be declaring these verses about all this healing, and I'm going to end up having Advil and hope I can make it through this whole thing. And I thought, no, wait a minute, maybe there's a connection between, and there may be something, you know, I was like, wow, maybe there's this, maybe there's a spirit behind this, maybe there's something that I need to deal with. And actually, this has happened many times to me, and the result is exactly the way I'm going to describe it to you right now. So I got down to, like, that intersection at Seekins Ford. I live out on, on, off of Farmer's Loop. And I got there to that intersection, and I said, No! In the name of Jesus, I declare I am full of well-being and health, and the sozo salvation of God is upon me. And I, I bind this spirit, and I didn't really know if it was a spirit, but I wanted to cover all my bases, so I said, I bind this spirit in the name of Jesus. Get off of me. Get away from me in Jesus' name. And I just, you know, I prayed this thing. I got, when I pray, now, it's just my personality. You probably don't have to do this, but I get intense because I mean it. I'm not messing around. I'm really serious. And when I was going to get up here and read these verses, I thought, Wow, I don't want to get up there with that. And so I prayed. And you know what happened? Immediately, I didn't feel a bit better. I was like, wow, it hurts. Still hurts. But, but, listen to this. By the time I got halfway between Zekins Ford and the building, it started to dissipate. And by the time I got here, it was gone. And I'm standing up here with, no, 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 I'm not bothered by anything. I'm standing up here like feeling like, hey, God, this is working for me. Yeah, bring on the kingdom, you know. So look here. I just want to, I've got about eight minutes, so. Um. I, I think that Jesus took this message of the kingdom and he, and he kind of went underneath the surface of it 
when he preached and when he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. There, there, was, a, there was a reason why the Spirit of the Lord was upon Jesus. And he said, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to those that are struggling in some sort of insufficiency. And, and he says, he has sent me. There it is again. Jesus was sent, and we're being sent, and this is the same message that we have. The message that he preached is our message, because it's the message of the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. So he said, he sent me to proclaim release to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And if you hang around me for very long, eventually these words that I believe echo this message will come out of my mouth. In fact, my daughter-in-law, Jess, bought me a little plaque because I was talking about getting a T-shirt that says this on it. She bought me a plaque and it says this. You don't have to live with that. Stop coping with it. You don't have to live oppressed. You don't have to live debilitated. You don't have to live with insufficiency. The kingdom of God is 30, 60, and 100 fold. We just need to enter into it. We need to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Jesus said, unless you are born again, you cannot see, nor can you enter the kingdom. But if you have the Holy Spirit, then God will begin to reveal and unfold the mysteries of his kingdom. But you have to keep going up that river. We've got to keep moving up that river. We can't park, park the boat. In fact, there is no parking. Once you park, you're, you're going back. He said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. What he's saying is that everything that happened in the fall of Adam that created this gigantic curse that's been chewing up the world for centuries, I have come to reverse. I'm, I'm here to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the restoration of all things. That's what the cross was all about. And I was horrified earlier this week when I was listening to this woman preach on, on she was just talking about talking about the gospel and as she went along it was really good stuff it was all good, it's great and then she said this and then my 28 year old son contracted cancer and I knew that it was my cross to bear and I went, oh, God. And I turned it off right there. And I went, oh, Father. That, that statement is exactly the opposite of the cross. Jesus didn't go to the cross except to reverse the fact that we were dead in trespasses and sins. 
And we have been living under all the mess and all the, the, the sowing that Adam did in the garden in rebelling against God. And that's why this, this whole world is, is coming apart at the seams. And every night on the news, you read of one disaster after another. And that's not our cross to bear. That's not what the meaning of the cross is. The cross was the payment of the things that we did deserve. They fell upon Jesus. And then he, said, he came proclaiming this gospel of the kingdom in which, yeah, I'm going to reverse this stuff. I'm going to set you free. You are no longer going to be slaves to sin, sickness, demons, death, and curse. So let's look at the last thing here, the last couple of minutes. Matthew 10. This is really, this is so powerful. Here we have this message of the kingdom. And, it, and, and Jesus said, Whoever does not receive you nor heed your words, as you go out of that house or that city, shake the dust off your feet. Truly or verily, I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. And, and here's what I want to point out to you. There are three elements of judgment in a sequence. And the first one is disparity. And that's what the, all the prophets of the Old Testament were doing. They were pleading with Israel. They were saying, look at the disparity between the covenant that God has made with you, between your God and what you are doing. And they were exposing the disparity. And they were warning of the coming retribution that was going to take place if they did not repent and change their mind and change their ways. And that, are, that encompasses the three elements of, of judgment. The first one is an understanding of the disparity between where we are and where God is. And this is a word for our city, Fairbanks, Alaska. God wants to send us out and we will, we will, through our message, describe the disparity that you are dead in trespasses and sins. But the point is not retribution or judicial condemnation and punishment. The, the purpose is for reconciliation and rectification of that disparity. And in the case of Sodom and Gomorrah, they went all the way to the end, to the retribution, to the judicial condemnation and the result of it. But I give you another example, which was Nineveh. And Jonah went to that city and he said, in 40 days, retribution is going to come down on you. But what happened? It didn't happen. Because they repented. And they, they arrived at rectification, which was God's purpose. God, it says here about Jesus, God did not send his son into the world for the purpose of retribution, condemnation, or punishment. He doesn't want it to go there. And that's why he sent Jesus. 
And then it says, but that the world through him might be saved. And that's our message. We are the ambassadors of reconciliation. We have been given the ministry of reconciliation. And it's all based on the blood of Jesus. It's all based on the offering of the body of Jesus. And we have got to take that message out there. Every single person in this room, you are a minister of God. You are God's ambassador from one kingdom to the other. Worship team, you can come up. There you are. (laughs) We have to have ears to hear. And I pray that in the coming weeks, Father, I pray, oh God, help us, Lord, that we do not restrict nor abandon, nor are we deceived concerning your word. But we will test all things, and like the Bereans, we will search the scriptures to see if these things are true. And God, we will hold fast to your word, regardless of the opposition, regardless of whatever comes against our minds or people or media, whatever. God, we want to receive, we want to inherit your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.
Celebration. 